those doors remained closed. So we wait. Hey there. If you believe in God and aren't really sure what to do with that belief, or if you personally know Jesus and want a deeper relationship with Him, then this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Middleton, and welcome to the BookCast. Friends, welcome to Chapter 11. When God called me to write a book, I didn't really want to publish a printed one. Instead, I wanted an audiobook. So today you get to listen to my favorite chapter of this book. I originally thought that it would be the final chapter, but as it turns out, we will have one more together. So luckily, this is not the end of our time. This is, however, the end of my story in this book. This chapter wraps up some of the loose ends from my life thus far, and I want to remind you that this book has been written from my perspective. I don't want to assume that I can speak on behalf of any of my friends or family, so I have only written from my point of view. With that said, I want to remind you that there are always two sides to the same story. I can't speak to the emotions, thoughts, or spiritual growth of other people. I can only share how these events and situations affected my own heart and how I've learned from them. I truly want to thank you for listening to my story. I feel as if we've become close friends throughout this process. As we continue to grow in our identity in Christ, God has really shown me some things about my own heart that I need to work on still, and He's still helping me sort out my identity, all the way down to the truest thing. From a heart song I sang while in prayer, dated October the 23rd, 2020. Your love is the truest thing. Your love is the truest thing. Your love is the truest thing about me. You're my identity. You're where my identity comes from. Chapter 11 An Answered Prayer Growing up, I always imagined I'd have a large family of five or six children. Nowadays, I sometimes question if we will even have one. Not that the beauty of foster care or adoption is out of the picture. The incredible reflection of the gospel in adoption is stunning, and I know that in my head. But up until now, each time we have approached God asking about adoption, He has closed the doors making it clear that pursuing adoption or foster care is not what he has for us right now. It's been difficult to continue to trust God in that answer, especially when our hearts have so much love to give, and especially when friends and family seem to expect adoption and foster care to be our path. Even though it comes from a place of love, each comment or suggestion takes its toll on my heart bringing a sense of unwarranted guilt for their unmet expectations. Whether it's a family member saying that they're ready for grandchildren however it happens, or conversations and direct messages about specific children who need a loving home, it sometimes feels as if their support is a touch more than just support. Almost as if our family and friends are just waiting for me to get my act together and choose foster care or adoption. But each time, my husband and I have knocked on the doors of different opportunities that lead to foster care and adoption. Those doors remain closed. We take each suggestion of adoption and bring it to the Lord in prayer, 
We have even attended informational meetings about these options, but up until this point, those doors remained closed. So we wait. Growing up, I thought for sure I would have kids. I thought it was more like a constant than a variable. But as I walk through this life, I find that more and more things are variables. People can walk into and out of my life. My own feelings swell and wane, and the plans that I imagine up often change or just don't pan out. Truly, I've learned that the only constant in my life is God's love for me. So why place my identity in anything but that love? Everything else usually lasts for only a season. This season. I can see how this season of my life has been a season of learning and growing. It's not just been a season of struggling with infertility, but a story of learning how to strip away all layers until I find myself in Jesus and in Him alone. I needed this stripping away of everything so that I would have to face the difficult work of cleaning out my pool of emotions. This season hasn't always been easy or fun to walk through. But with my whole heart, I can honestly say that even in the struggle, it has been so worth it. It is in this season that I have discovered the significance of coming with a humble heart to the edge of my own pool of emotions and asking God to help me actually look into the green, cloudy water in order to see the sludge that lays at the bottom. Taking an honest look at what triggers me, incites my anger, feeds my insecurities, and blocks my relationship with God, and then taking steps to work on and allow Jesus to strain out that muck has been the less glamorous part of this season in my life. It's been the dirty jobs part of this identity journey. But I would argue that it's been the most important. It's been vital. Otherwise, What would be the point of doing all the outside work of self-development if I just fall into the same old patterns of behavior? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Matthew twenty-three twenty-seven through 28 This was me. I was that hypocrite. If my inner emotional world were like a swimming pool, it would have held years of dirt, mold, leaves, and sludge inside of it. I was living a life dedicated to cleaning and maintaining the outside of my pool and ignoring the more important and valuable work of cleaning inside of it. That's not to say that I'm done by any means. No, I have lots more slop for Jesus to scoop out and many more blind spots for him to uncover but I'm thankful to have started the process of cleaning and letting him sort through the rest. I see now that this season has been focused on those beginning steps of cleaning out some of this junk in my heart for a purpose. While I've found great healing here, the purpose of this season has not just been so that I can have a cleaner pool of emotions. 
that is not the end goal of this season. No, the ultimate goal of this season is so that I can reflect God's glory and goodness to those around me as I share more from an intimate relationship with Him. The clearer the water in my own pool of emotions, the clearer the reflection of God's heart and beauty. I want to share with you the clearest picture of God's heart that I have ever seen. A vision that I believe God gave me in order to sustain me through this season of pain and recovery. This vision spoke directly to my view of God and identity in Christ. While praying, I sometimes receive pictures. This time, however, was different. It was the most vivid, passionate, intense, and real picture that I didn't merely see, but felt. This tangible vision changed my heart and how I saw myself forever. My vision. I never thought that I would see it. The prophet Isaiah described it by saying, The train of his robe filled the temple with glory. All I can think of to call it was light. Warm, golden light, reflecting off of everything. From the illustrious pillars outlining the room and extending upward out of sight to the stairs that led to the center throne in the room, everything flooded my eyes with brilliance. Penetrating light radiated from the glorious white robes of the one who sat upon this throne. At first, I couldn't think of anything but how entirely unworthy I was to be standing there. But as soon as that thought shot through my brain, the word Jesus spread over me and relaxed the uneasiness I felt in my muscles, and it drew me in closer to the Holy One. As I neared the edge of the stairs leading to the throne, I was unable to look up and see the face of this indescribable figure. I could only seem to focus my eyes on the cascading folds of his robe that caressed his knee and delicately fell towards the ground. In that moment, I couldn't think of anything more captivatingly beautiful. As my eyes raised slightly, I could just barely peer into the lap of the one who sat on the throne. And it was there that I saw it. A pure white lamb, little and perfect, curled up in his lap, the most peaceful expression on its young face as it dreamt. She looked completely content in the lap of the king. My stomach leapt into my heart as a single thought drowned out the rest of my senses. It's as if the grandeur of the room dissipated and the brilliance of the scene vanished as I heard his whisper in my spirit say, This is how I see you. This sentence reverberated in the core of my being. Not just because young lamb is the literal definition of Rachel, but because it tugged at the deepest part of my spirit as his deep called to my own. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Psalm 42, 7. Wave after wave of what I can only explain as pure, unfiltered, oversaturated love washed over me. Streams of tears ran down my physical cheeks as this vision faded from the screen that was the inside of my eyelids, but remained on the canvas of my imagination. My parched soul drank deep in the waterfalls of this love as the memory of the sight and the feelings came over me. All I could do was weep tears of healing, 
face buried in my hands, I found myself back at my desk. The muscles in my body quivered from the overpowering experience, and my heart tried to open in beautiful acceptance of what I had just seen. What happened in a matter of just a few moments altered the structure of my heart forever. After composing myself, I concluded my time with the Lord by documenting what I had seen in my prayer journal. While I knew that I would never forget this glimpse of heaven, I wanted to log every detail I could. After writing my inadequate description, I realized that I not only wanted to write what I had seen, but I also wanted to sketch it and make a tangible token of it. While I had only taken the basics of art in high school and college, I felt a need to at least try to translate a small part of this vivid picture into a physical drawing. So, after scouring the internet for a good enough picture that looked close enough to the lamb in my vision, I used it as inspiration and began the six-hour drawing that attempted to capture how God sees me. The resulting sketch proved better than I thought my skills capable of, and yet fell drastically short of the image I saw with the eyes of my heart. Though proud of the drawing, it fell short of the vision of the nickname that God had given me, His Little Lamb. Nicknames I've always been fascinated by the idea of God having a nickname for each of His children. Not the kind of nickname that brings shame, pain, or embarrassment, but the kind of nickname that speaks to familiarity and stirs affection. It might sound bizarre, but that is what I believe God revealed to me that day in 2017. When my eyes saw that lamb, I knew that I caught a peak of a visible representation of how God sees me. I think that this idea of nicknames could possibly be seen in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Revelation 2.17 A new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. I am no theologian, but that sure sounds like a nickname to me. As I reflect on this concept of nicknames, I see how God wrote on my heart this idea of Him having a nickname for each of His children since I was born. I believe that God began etching the groundwork for this belief since my earliest memories. In preparing my heart to receive his nickname for me, I believe God used my granddad. Peaches Even before I was born, my granddad had a tradition of bestowing a unique nickname to each of his daughters and eventually his granddaughters. Not the kind of nickname to be used by just anyone, but the kind of nickname that ties two hearts together in mutual affection and tenderness. Granddad's nickname for me was Peaches. Almost like a secret, only Granddad could call me Peaches in his simple and tender way. While everyone in our extended family knew my nickname, only Granddad had the authority to call me by this nickname. I still have a few trinkets and mementos that he gifted me representing our special bond through this nickname. 
my favorite being a glass paperweight formed into the perfect peach shape with flecks of soft orange inside. These things have always brought me joy and helped me to relate to the idea that I was granddad's peaches. So when a close youth group leader that I had in junior high school shared about how she felt God had a nickname for her, my heart had already been primed to understand the implications of such a statement. I already knew the tenderness and closeness that this concept suggested because I had felt it from granddad. I remember praying as a junior high student, asking God to reveal his nickname for me, but I couldn't hear anything substantial. I remember trying to guess a few nicknames over the following weeks to see if any sounded right, but nothing resonated with my spirit. As years swept by, my mind misplaced the prayer for God to reveal his nickname for me, but my heart never lost track of that desire. That's why when I heard God say, this is how I see you. I felt deep in my spirit that I finally had an answer to that prayer. This revelation and answer to a prayer that I had sat on the shelf for over 10 years felt like soothing lotion applied to my heart. This answer came at a time when I felt like none of my prayers were being answered. Answered Prayers In 2017, when I saw that glimpse of heaven, my heart was in the thick of wandering through the dense fog of the pain of infertility and the disoriented identity I was struggling through. I wasn't expecting God to answer any prayer other than the one I kept bringing to his throne. Working part-time gave me plenty of opportunity to pour my heart out to God in the form of quiet prayer. Most often, these prayers were begging God for a child, sharing this deep hurt of my heart and hoping that God would finally do something about it. But sometimes, these times of prayer were just a cry to be closer to God, to know Him and feel His presence. I knew that the only way to healing was through God, and I needed healing on all levels, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This is the time when my prayers began to shift from being a list of needs and wants and became a conversation with Him. Up until that point, my prayers were mostly the typical prayers one says before bed, or in the morning for quiet time. I would bring my agenda of my prayer list to remind God about different needs for myself and other people, almost like a nagging wife who feels that she must remind a lazy husband of chores. I thought that if I didn't remind God about these things, then they wouldn't get done. But it was in this time of pain and heartache this time of truly seeking Him, that I felt a shift in how I pray. I came to realize that God longs for more than just my prayers before bed, because according to Matthew 6, 8, He already knows our needs before we even ask. No, God doesn't just want our bedtime prayers. He is after our whole hearts, our everything. I think that it is common for our human hearts to settle for the bedtime prayer list because it's easy and almost gives us a sense of control. I know that I am still guilty of only praying to ask God to fix or take care of only one certain aspect of my life, as if I can handle the rest of my life on my own, as if the rest of my life can be satisfied without His presence in it. God isn't just after one portion of me, 
but all of me. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12.29 While I wanted to see God heal only one aspect of my life, He wanted to have access to every single aspect of my life. God didn't want a honeydew list. He wanted real conversation and real surrender. He wanted to show me a vision of how He sees me and what it means for my identity to be in Christ alone. I wanted God to give me a baby. Before I saw the picture of the lamb in Father God's lap, most of my prayers were the pain of infertility manifest in two- and three-hour prayer sessions of questioning why God hadn't answered me yet. In the two years that had spanned from the first month off the pill and my vision, I wasn't really looking for God to fill my entire life. I still thought that I had a pretty good handle on the rest of it, but once my pride came down— Once in the presence of the Creator, I realized the reality that I still had so much to surrender. God kindly showed me Himself and how He sees me so that I could walk the road of healing and identity. God answered a prayer over a decade old that my conscious mind had long forgotten so that He could walk me through the fire of that season. You see, it is only when I saw Him for who He really is that I could finally see who I am in Him. Standing in the presence of the King showed me how frail and powerless I am. His pure and powerful light first made me fully aware of the sinking darkness in my own chest, but then He also showed me that because of Jesus, I am cherished by my Heavenly Father. I am His little Lamb. It was only in receiving this vision of Him that I could see who I truly am in Christ. God answers prayers, just not in the timing or the way we assume. God's goodness. I assumed I was waiting for an answer to my immediate prayer. When I didn't receive the answer I wanted, my world fell apart. But in all honesty, the best place for me to crumble was at the feet of Jesus. He is the only one who could have restored me and made me whole. It was at the lowest point in my life where God stepped in, scooped me up, and said, I'm here. It's going to be okay, and it's time to do something with this. As I write this sentence, we approach six years of waiting for two pink lines to appear in the window of a little plastic strip. Six years strapped into a roller coaster of hurt and tears, surrender and peace, anger and disappointment, belief jealousy, hope, despair, and just about every emotion you could imagine. And I see now that this season of the last six years has not just been about waiting for children. No, this season of my life has been about growing in my identity in Christ, the one who heals. Thinking back when we started this journey of trying to conceive, I can now see the goodness of God woven into all aspects of my story. I can see His goodness in the beauty that God has brought from my younger cousin's pregnancy. I have seen my younger cousin grow into a strong, independent woman and mother. I've gotten to see her little boy bring joy to my extended family like only new life can. I see the goodness of God in that my grandma knew the joy of being a great-grandma for several years before going to be with the Lord. And I see the beauty of God on display 
in that the same news of my cousin's pregnancy that triggered my identity journey was able to be whispered into the ear of my granddad during his final days on this side of heaven. God's beauty is beyond my comprehension. I also see how far God's goodness has brought me. I see how God has gently carried me out of denial and emotional numbness. He has led me out of my idolatry of people, saved me from my pride, stripped me of labels, titles, and sins that have tried to define me. He showed me grace in leading me out of my bitterness, healing my relationship with all parts of himself, and bringing true freedom to my heart by showing me what it really means to live from a place of identity in him. God has given me new joy that can only be described in echoing Psalm 1, like a tree planted by a river that has deep, deep roots. He has given me a sense of identity and belonging that is rooted in Him, a belonging that isn't tied to people, places, or things, but one that is tied to the simple fact that I am accepted and welcomed in the throne room of the King as his little lamb. My identity is secured in the fact that if Jesus loves me for who I am, then beloved is truly who I am. How can this love, which is so deep, affect every aspect of my life, change nothing about my circumstances, yet change everything in how I see them and myself all at the same time? I know that this love only comes from the Father through Christ Jesus. I can look back on the moments of pain, struggles, and trials with thankfulness now, because they have brought me closer to God and made me cling to Him more. It is because of this new closeness with God that I am who I am. Trust me, prayers to bring us closer to God are always answered with a yes, even in the midst of pain. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 34:18. I have certainly found this verse to be true. God brings us closer to Him in the trials and struggles because He is the source of life and healing. While we may not know what the future holds, I believe with all my heart that God will walk us, hold our hands, and sometimes even carry us through the trials. I trust Him to do this because of who He is and because of who we are in Him. Because of Jesus, we are His, and He takes good care of His children. Perhaps you are walking through trial or pain right now. Perhaps you can relate to some of my story. I want to encourage you and offer a simple reminder that God is close. He has promised in Hebrews 13 to never leave and never forsake you. And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. We don't have to fear in these times of struggle, because the Lord is our helper, and he is close to us. The best thing that we can do in the pain is seek to know Him more and trust in His goodness. 
your nickname. I believe that one word from God is worth more than all the words I could ever write, and that He has the ultimate say in our identity. So I want to take some time to make room to hear straight from Him. Remember that the Holy Spirit lives in you, so you can come to God with an open heart and hear directly from Him. But I also want to encourage you, if you don't happen to hear an answer right away, remember, it took my heart over a decade to discover the answer to this question. So don't let shame or doubt sneak in if that happens. In either case, I encourage you to continue to seek God and pursue a deeper relationship with Him. I want to invite you to listen with me to the Holy Spirit to see if He has a nickname that He wants to reveal to you today. After we pray together, take a moment to pause and let the Holy Spirit bring something to your mind or heart. You can take as much or as little time as you feel comfortable. Perhaps during this practice, you will think of a name, or maybe you just know what he says to your heart. Perhaps a fond memory will surface, or maybe you will be able to picture what God says to you on the canvas of your imagination. However it comes to you, if the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind, feel free to take time to sit with it and let it penetrate the deepest parts of your heart. Or if you do not hear, see, or sense anything, feel free to just sit in the presence of God and breathe Him in. If anxiety, fear, doubt, unresolved past trauma, or distress of any kind tries to creep in during this practice, I encourage you to pause this book and seek professional help in healing the wounds that have caused it. So, whenever you are ready, open your hands and place them palms up in a comfortable position. It should almost feel like you expect to receive a gift because we do expect to receive something from heaven. Take a deep breath and pray this prayer with me. Holy Spirit, come and fill this moment. I invite you to come be with me. Manifest your presence here in this space. Please open the eyes and ears to my heart to hear you speak. Reveal to me how you see me. Father God, thank you for loving me so deeply. Thank you for making me uniquely yours. Father, What is your special nickname for me? Let's take a moment to listen. If you received something today, take a record of it somehow. Write down a description of it, draw a picture, record a video of yourself describing it, or share it with a close friend who will support and listen with faith. Receiving a word from God is powerful, and I believe it's worth holding on to and remembering in a special way. Resources For today's resources, I have included my picture, the one that I sketched from my vision, in the show notes. 
while it does not depict the most glorious part of what I saw and falls short of accurately describing the feelings that came along with the vision, it does capture a small portion of what God showed me and is a simple token of my identity in Him. If you got a nickname today, I want to encourage you to share it with someone of faith who is close to you. Tell them about how you received your nickname and share with them what it means to you. I know that this can be a scary thing to do, but I truly think that it's important to share what God tells us. That way we don't forget about it. Also, feel free to share this chapter with that same person. Perhaps they will hear their nickname from the Holy Spirit as well. I pray blessings on your journey so far, and I hope that you have a blessed day in Jesus.